You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. So, we are in a series, a new series called Grateful. Grateful. And uh, I love it because it actually, it really tails off well from our prayer series because, you know, we can pray really well, but unless we enter God's gates through thanksgiving and his courts through praise, then, you know, oftentimes our prayers aren't performing or they're not effective as much as we want them to be. And so I actually find that this is a perfect, this is a perfect follow-up to that prayer series. And, uh, and I love gratitude. You know, obviously we've got Thanksgiving coming up. Good to be grateful for things. And uh, I think in 2020, I didn't realize how many things I had taken for granted up until 2020. Like a lot of things. And uh, I'd grown really familiar with things that um, now I am extremely thankful for because I have context for not having them. Because what becomes familiar usually becomes entitled. And entitlement is death to God's best for us. Entitlement is believing that you are owed something that you did not earn. And I found that there was a lot of things that I felt entitled to when in reality I hadn't fought for, I hadn't earned, or I hadn't believed for myself. You see, gratitude can turn a heaven out of a hell, and entitlement can make a hell out of a heaven. So no matter how good your life can be, if we don't live our lives with a sense of gratitude, we can find ourselves ungrateful, we can find ourselves discontent, we can find ourselves with living a life that other people would pray for, but we are desperate to leave. So there were a few things that I realized in 2020 that I had grown familiar with that I had maybe become entitled to, and that was even going to a coffee shop or a restaurant, um, just at all. Because at one point, we couldn't even do that. And I remember driving around with my wife, because that was the only thing you could do. We could literally just drive around nice neighborhoods and be like, well, this was fun. Like, that was our day. Like, we just, we got out today. We went, you know, we couldn't even stop anywhere and get a coffee or go eat. So that was something I, um, you know, definitely am thankful for now, every day. Um, In-person meetings. That is one thing I never thought I would be thankful for, but I am, because Zoom, I got tired of after about five minutes. Um, It was really nice, you know, when we first went, offline and, you know, we could just work remote and, you know, whether some of us wore pants or we didn't, like, either way, um, you know, I liked it at first and then about, like, because I I love being with people. I love being in person with meetings. There's nothing like being in person. And uh, obviously being in person in church is a whole nother thing. And so I never thought I'd be thankful for in-person meetings, but I found I was. Uh, California. I didn't realize I had grown familiar with California. Um, I, and, and I think we heard it a lot probably last year and even in this year of people who, well, I'm just going to leave. California is a mess. California sucks. California this, California that. Um, but I, I actually went out to Utah for four months last year to help our Salt Lake City campus. Maybe that was the, the other one that uh, Alex was talking about, 16 plus one. We have one out there, so maybe that's what you're, what you're thinking about in Utah. Uh, but I went out there for four months, and I went out there in the perfect time. It was fall. It was beautiful. The colors were changing, pumpkin spice lot, like the whole thing. Um, and, uh, and so I, it was like 60, 70 degrees, which is like perfect for me. And I remember being there, I was like, man, this is like, it's way better than California. This is, you know, things are open and this and that. And then this white stuff started falling from the sky. And the weather report said 10 degrees. And I said, Lord, get me back to California. And, uh, and so, you know, it, it was obviously, we were, we, were, um, we were planning on coming back. And so we did, obviously. But I came back grateful. 
I came back grateful for California. I came back when I thought, well, I wonder what it would look like if, you know, we lived other places, but I would never leave because of Awaken, but if there ever was an Awaken in other places, I would put my hand up. Now I'm like, I ain't going anywhere. I'm in San Diego till I die because there is no place like California. You don't, you, like, and, and so I've heard people, oh, well, you know, maybe, maybe I should go. Well, maybe you should go try to live another place for a month or two and then realize how great California is. So I am grateful for California, and we can turn around, and we will. Uh, and the last thing, probably the thing I took most for granted because I thought there's no way ever that this would go away, um, was $5 Tuesdays at AMC. $5 Tuesdays at AMC. Some of you are looking at me like, is that a thing? Oh, Oh, it's a thing. Uh, I'm a member, and I, I know. Um, so my wife and I discovered this about uh, two and a half years in our marriage. I think it would have made the first two years better if we had figured it out earlier. But what I learned was on Tuesdays, you can go to the AMC for $5 a person. That's like 1970s dollars, you know, like inflation-wise. Like, it's unbelievable. And you can see the same movie. It's not like you only get access to like two of the movies. It's all of them. It's any one of them. Uh, so that, that was our thing for a while. And then the movie shut down. And that was really sad because then I couldn't go to a $5 movie. And then, you know, the funny thing is like all these like, like Prime and, um, you know, Hulu, they're like, oh, well, let's just get the, the movies that were in the movie theaters. We'll put them on our platforms and people will love to watch. I don't want to watch a theater movie in my house. I've got my dog running everywhere. I've got, I don't have like an Icy and Skittles. I hate popcorn, so I didn't really care about that. Um, yeah. That, you're the only person that has ever clapped for that. I've gotten death threats over that. So, but, but I am super thankful because what was supposed to come out in 2020 but got delayed was James Bond. I don't know if I got any James Bond fans in here. It's a few, okay. Uh, and it was supposed to come out in 2020. I'm super thankful because I, I would have had to watch it at home and that just, it would have, would have ruined everything. And so uh, they delayed it multiple times, and then finally it came out. Um, I just saw it, and it is, it is unbelievable. Uh, and I love James Bond. I really do. And, uh, and James Bond is the guy with a license to kill. Wow, yeah, you guys, you guys know James Bond. Uh, there's another guy with a license to kill. John 10.10 says the devil comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. You see, the devil has a license to kill, but Christians, we have a license to live. We have a license to live an abundant life, and we have a license to help point people to life, to the name of life, which is Jesus Christ. And I found that just because you have a license doesn't mean you're using it. Imagine if James Bond had his license to kill, but he never used it. Would his mission have been accomplished in any of the movies? No. He had to kill in order to accomplish his mission. Now, obviously, this is not contextually Christianity, right? I'm just talking the movies. He had to do that in order to accomplish his mission. He had to use his license that he was given to accomplish his mission purpose for MI6. Yet, I found many Christians today aren't experiencing life abundantly. We're not even pointing to the person of Jesus because we're not using our license to live. Matthew 5.16 says this. Let your light so shine before men so they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let your light so shine. So we are meant to shine our light. We're meant to, and I love Pastor Katie had mentioned uh, to me earlier that the word for this campus this year is breakthrough. 
is breakthrough. In other words, unless we win, unless we get breakthrough, how are people going to want what we have? And so it's important that we live a life of abundance and that we point to the light that is Jesus. So the title of this message today is License to Live, License to Live. And so in order to use our license to live, there's a few ground rules that we should probably follow. Um, You know, not crazy ground rules, just some guidelines maybe um, to think about as we get into this. So the first guideline slash rule of our license to live is our license is from Jesus. Our license is from Jesus. See, our license doesn't come from our own abilities, our own circumstances, but from the person of Jesus. Zechariah 4, verse 6 says this. This is the word of the Lord to Z, Z, Z man. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. So it's not by our strength, it's not by our might, it's not by what we can do, but it's by the spirit of God. You see, imagine if James Bond went around being James Bond, but he never got licensed to kill from anybody. Like, that would be an awkward conversation. That's called third-degree murder for no reason, right? He only was able to go and do what he did because he had a license to do it. He was authorized by somebody else to go do it. Yet so much of the world, and this was my life for 22 years, thought we had or were entitled to life without realizing that there was actually only one person that can give it. There's only one person that can authorize the kind of life that we want, the abundant life and the life that points to Jesus. And John 14 says that this, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. There is only one way, and that is Jesus. There is no true life outside of Jesus. Dennis Prager said this, and you heard uh, Pastor Rudy and Gladys talking about Dennis Prager. He's brilliant, and uh, I love him because he's Jewish. I grew up Jewish and Catholic. Um, so, yes, very confusing, I understand. I, I, I know the blank looks. It is quite a miracle I'm here. Uh, I did my bar mitzvah and everything, y'all. Like, I, I was a full, full Jew, full Jew. Uh, it was pretty awesome. Uh, but he said this. He said, secularism, which is basically anything that excludes God, has no solutions because it acknowledges no God. And without God, there are no real solutions to real problems that real people face. Why? Because the Bible says the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. So if you have no fear of the Lord, you have no wisdom. If you have no wisdom, you can't make life work. If you can't make life work, you're not gonna live an abundant life. It's pretty simple. So we need God to be the author and the license, the person who licenses us. Um, I tried to find life for the first 22 years of my life in a lot of things. I lost my dad at nine years old, and so there was a lot of uh, fear, a lot of um, rejection, a lot of things that I strive for and tried to find in other people. I tried to find it in approval of my friend groups. I tried to find it in approval of teachers and coaches and other parents. Um, and unfortunately, I found no life there. Then I tried to find life in parties. I tried to find it in using drugs and using people and sleeping around and doing all kinds of crazy stuff um, that the world tells you is there's life there. And then guess what? There's darkness. There's nothing good there. And so I was like, wow, there's no life there. Okay, maybe, maybe there's life in what Instagram tells me there's life in. Maybe it's in the accumulation of things. Maybe it's in how much money I have in my bank account. Maybe it's in the car that I drive. Maybe it's in the success that I have. And so I tried that. And guess what? No life there. I even tried personal development. I said, okay, if I can just improve myself, if I can read enough books, if I can level up 10X, if I can, uh, you know, if I can just, if I can just get in this mastermind, if I can just, if I could just grow to this level, then, then I'll find life. And every, as, as high as I climbed, I, I couldn't find anything. I even, I walked on hot coals at Tony Robbins conference. I, I tried everything. And while there was a moment of 
wow, I'm amazing, there was never fulfillment. There was never true life. And, you know, we have this funny saying in kind of the personal development space. I've, I've literally either seen people who don't know Jesus either get weird or you get Jesus. Like it's one of the two things. It's actually kind of funny. So, but if you seek truth long enough, you'll find him. You'll find him if you're willing to humble yourself. And so the abundant life cannot be found in ourselves or in the world, but only in Jesus. So that is the person that authorizes our license. And it's the most important thing to recognize. We cannot find it in other things. We cannot find it in title. We cannot find it in accumulation. We can only find it in the person of Jesus. I heard this quote the other day um, by a friend who, who recently came to Christ and he's kind of discovering all this, um, you know, this new life in Christ. And, and he was saying, he was reading this book the other day by this guy and he's trying to find fulfillment in all these other things and realizing that none of them fill that hole that he's had his whole life. And, and this quote said, God is most fulfilled with us when we are most fulfilled in him. And it's a beautiful quote and I believe it is totally true. Second rule, second guideline to using your license to live is our license is for other people. Our license is for other people. James Bond, think about this. If he didn't like use his license, the world would have ended 40 times, however many movies there are, right? <laughs> like, it's funny, it's never like, it's never like some small micro issue in James Bond. It's always like, the world is over. I'm not even gonna try and explain what just happened in the last movie, but it literally would have ended the whole world. Uh, and it's crazy that it didn't come out in 2020 because I think people would have thought it was planned or something. Like it, y'all, that this movie was was prophesying some stuff. It's pretty crazy. But uh, and and in the same way, so just like if James didn't use his license, the whole world would have ended for some reason. Uh, if we don't use our license, people's eternities are lost. And while I believe that God can use other people along the way to course correct, and maybe we were supposed to witness to this person, but then, you know, we didn't because we were so consumed in ourselves and whatever else it was, I do believe that there are responsibilities that we have to make sure that we are the light for people that are around us. And uh, one of the ways that I found that light shines brighter from Matthew 5.16 is when we win. And this is the breakthrough that Pastor Katie was talking about um, earlier is, is for us to get breakthrough. And it's not just winning in business, it's not just winning financially, it's winning in relational, it's winning in social, it's winning, it's winning in your life to show people that there is a way, that there is a wisdom, there is a truth, that if they would follow, they would actually live in breakthrough. Because our breakthrough isn't just for eternity, our breakthrough is for now, on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. And most of the people who, you know, I found, you know, because I, I got saved because someone was winning. I grew up around a lot of Christians who walk or talk the talk, but never walk the walk. A lot of them. And it frustrated me because they talked a big game about a big God, but didn't live like it. And so I went and followed all the people who had the walk, but had no fulfillment. Because I said, at least that's better than this, because they don't even, they're not even living it out. And so at least these people know where they stand. They're not worshiping God, but at least they're, they're doing something. They're growing, they're, 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 they're accumulating something. They're having some kind of success. And then obviously along the road, I realized, well, there's no fulfillment in that. Um, so it's not worth chasing that, but it, it attracted me. There was some kind of light there and it wasn't the real light, but it was enough to, for me to follow. And then the way I got saved was because there was a, a guy named Luke Wilborn. 
and he was a good friend of mine, and he actually was one of the reasons I moved down to San Diego, and, uh, and he was doing really well in business at the time, and he had a family, and he loved his family, and he didn't go to the clubs with us, and he didn't get crazy, and he didn't do drugs. He went and crushed business, and then he went and loved his family, and I was like, this is a thing? <laughs> like, you talk about God, you pray with us, you take care of your family, you don't go clubbing like all the other Christians I've met up until now, and you're winning. You're winning. You are someone I want to look to. I don't care about your faith. I care about what the results that I've seen you have, the fruit in your life. And if you're saying the faith that there's a way there, then I might as well try it out because nothing else has worked. And so he came to Emerge Conference in 2015 in March. And then literally three weeks later, he invited me because I think he said, screw it. I'm inviting all the crazy people I know. And so I was on that list. And I finally went and I showed up to a 5 p.m. service back when we used to have those on a Sunday night at Balboa campus. And I heard the gospel for the first time and I found people who were living what they were preaching. And I said, that's the way, that's the way, that's the light. And I found that most of the people that I've met or I've talked to who have a problem with our church's view on prosperity and that we talk about money often simply have not stopped to ask what the interpretation of prosperity is for us. Prosperity for us is having more than enough for yourself. It's less of a prosperity gospel in the context that most people are thinking. It's more of a generosity gospel. Proverbs 11 verse 25 says that if we water others, we ourselves will be watered. That as we give, we'll be given back, pressed down, shaken together, running over is another scripture. There's plenty of scriptures that talk about how we pour ourselves out and then God will refresh us. And so when God can get it through us, he can get it to us. And I found what takes us out of serving God is when we actually allow either poverty or materialism to manifest in our life because neither is God's will. Because if your needs aren't being met, it's really hard to meet the needs of other people. And I've been there. I've been in that place when all I can think about is myself. All I can think about is how am I gonna make the next rent? How am I gonna make the next grocery? How am I gonna make the next this? And so when I came into the house of God, that was my lifestyle. And all I could think about was me, 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 me. And then I started hearing how if I would trust God with my money, if I would, just like Alex was saying tonight, if I would just be obedient, then there would be such a blessing poured out of me that I could actually stop just thinking about myself. I could start thinking about other people. And God made it really clear what his commandment is to us. Love him with all of our heart, soul, and strength, and then love others as we love ourselves. So it's hard for me to love other people if I can't even be present with them because all I'm thinking about is how I'm gonna make the next. But if I can have more than enough because I can trust God with my finances and he'll pour it out. And then on the flip side, if we're focused on only accumulating in this life and not on building for the next one, then we can find ourselves constantly comparing to what other people have versus what God's given us and how to be faithful with it. Because when we're grateful, we can be more present. When we're more present, we can be there for the service of other people. And when we're there for the service of other people, we can fulfill our commandment to love our neighbor. And that's as simple as that. Because ingratitude and comparison, both of them steal our joy, steal our present consciousness, and therefore steals our ability to love our neighbors. The third and final point is our license is limited by what we focus on. You see, we cannot control what happens to us, but we can decide how we'll respond to what happens to us. Philippians 3, verses 10 to 14 says this. It's Paul talking. He says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to do that too. That sounds cool. I want to suffer with him. 
It's not exactly a super awesome verse to, to say out loud, but it's in the Bible. It happens. Pain happens here. Sharing in his death so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. It kind of does sound like you're saying that, Paul. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ first possessed for me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. Kind of sounds like you're saying that. But I focus on this. Someone say one thing. Forgetting the past. Forgetting the past. And looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. You see, if we're focused on what's behind us, it's hard to fix our eyes on what's in front of us. And that's where God's plan is for our life. That's where fulfillment is. That's where life is. It's not in the rearview mirror. It's in the dashboard. And what the devil wants more than anything else is for us believers to get stuck in our pain, to get stuck in our past, to get stuck in our offense, live ineffectively for the gospel. He wants us to withdraw our praise, withdraw our gratitude, to be focused on all the things we don't have, to be focused on the things that happened to us, focused on the things that we should have, could have, would have. It's exactly what he tried to do to Job. If we look at Job, he only wanted to steal his stuff because he wanted to steal his praise. If we can refuse to allow the devil, no matter what happens to us, to steal our praise, eventually he's going to stop bugging you. Because if you're able to praise like Job did, he said, Yet though, yea, though he slay me, or whatever the King James version is of it. Yeah, that. I will trust him. I will praise him. I will worship him. I don't care what my situation looks like. I will praise God. I don't care if it looks like my, if they're off the rocker, if it looks like they're never coming to Christ, if it looks like I'm not going to be able to make this happen, if it looks like I'm going to get fired. I don't care. I'm going to praise Jesus because Jesus is Jehovah Jireh. He is my provider. He's my protector. He's the beginning. He's the end. He's the author and the finisher. Nothing will steal my praise because my praise isn't dictated on circumstance. My praise isn't dictated on what I see. My praise is dictated on the King of Kings, on the Lord of Lords, on who He is, on not, not on what He's done for me, but what, what He is, on His name. Because if He did nothing but save me for eternity, I don't need anything else. This life is way too short for us to let a devil steal our praise of God. There's a clip in James Bond, and uh, if we have time, we're going to play it here. I, th I think we have. We're going to play it. And uh, it's, a, it's a really quick clip, but it's a moment when he has every right to leave his mission. He has every right to abandon his purpose. He has every right to walk away, to say, I'm done. And his oversight had basically given permission to shoot him if it was going to save the mission, to take him out, to kill him, to, I'm sorry, He's in the line of sight. It's for the purpose, it's for the cause, it's for the mission. And the person who was shooting missed the guy she was supposed to shoot. So they didn't even get the mission done. And then shot James and they thought he killed him. So he recovered, he went back, uh, you know, off some island, basically pretending like he was dead for a while and found himself at a bar, found himself drinking, found himself repeating the same cycle of hopelessness, of offense, of just, I'm done with it. And then he heard on the news that his country was under attack. He heard the news that his mission, his, his where he came from was under attack. And he said, I can't, I can't just stand by and watch this happen. I've got to go back. And so if we can, if we can roll that clip, 
um, and see how this played out. Only cost Join one death. 007 reporting for duty. Why didn't you call? You didn't get the postcard? You should try it sometime. Get away from it all. It really lends perspective. Ran out of drink where you were, did they? What was it you said? Take the bloody shot. I made a judgment call. You should have trusted me to finish the job. It was the possibility of losing you or the certainty of losing all those other agents. I made the only decision I could, and you know it. I think you lost your nerve. What do you expect? A bloody apology? You know the rules of the game. You've been playing it long enough. We both have. Maybe too long. Speak for yourself. Ronson didn't make it, did he? So this is it. We both played out. If you believe that, why did you come back? Good question. Because we're under attack. And you know we need you. Well, I'm here. All right, we can go. You'd have to be debriefed and declared fit for action. James had every reason to be offended, he had every reason to stay away. He had every reason to call it quits. His leader had made the wrong call. A circumstance had gone the wrong way. Life had literally dealt him one of the most unfair hands that it could deal. And yet his eyes were not focused on what happened to him as much as they were focused on what was in front of him, which was the mission that he was born for. There's a mission that we're all born for. There's a purpose we're all born for, and it's the building of Jesus' church. And there's gonna be things that happen to us in this life that are not fair. There's gonna be things that happen to us that do not make sense. There's gonna be cards that were dealt that absolutely should not have been dealt in a perfect world, but we don't live in one. We're living for one, and we're believing to transfer as much of heaven here as we can, but we can't control everything. But just like James did, he said, she said, why'd you come back? I said, I don't know. And she's like, well, we're under attack and you knew that we needed you. The church right now has been, is today and will be under attack because we have the keys to life. We have the keys to have, we've got the keys that every single person on this planet, every single person in San Diego, every single person in Eastlake and Bonita in Chula Vista and San Ysidro, every single person in this county needs. And we need every single one of you. But if we allow things that we were disappointed by, if we allow things that we were believing God for that didn't happen, if we allow for offenses, if leaders made mistakes, if we allow for even mistakes that we've made to keep us out of the purpose of the plan of the mission of God, then we've missed. And 
it would be wrong of me not to give you an opportunity tonight to, to come back to God in a way that you can say, God, I know that it hurts and I know it doesn't make sense. And I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna move on and I'm gonna trust you and I'm gonna recommit my life. I'm gonna recommit my plans. I'm gonna recommit my serving. I'm gonna recommit my giving. I'm gonna recommit all that I am to you because you're worth it. Even if it's not perfect here, it's worth it because you are. You see, I found that God will use every pain that you have to help other people. It won't make it necessarily go away, but it'll make it worth it. It'll make it worth it. See, I could have been a victim to growing up without a father. But because I surrendered it to God, he turned it into a victory for a lot of other people who now don't just trust in their earthly father, they trust in a heavenly father that's perfect. I could have been a victim to the shame that I carried for a long time of blowing inheritance money that I had, of doing all the things I've done that were pretty shameful, of burning a lot of bridges and relationships, but I surrendered it to God and allowed him to use it victoriously as I share with other people. They find a way to forgive. They find a way to move on. They find a way to find their identity only in Christ and not in what they've done or haven't done. I could have been a victim to the times I felt overlooked. I could have been a victim to the times I felt offended. I could have been a victim. You could have been a victim. But today we're gonna choose to move past being a victim into being a victor because God has called us more than overcomers. He has called us to a life of victory. Jesus could have done the same thing. I mean, Jesus has the craziest example. I mean, he could have walked away at any point and no one would have said, you're way out of line. Like, really? Someone in his connect group literally handed him over to be crucified for like 10 Chick-fil-A sandwiches. Like 30 pieces of silver, Are you kidding me? That's what happened. His most trusted leader literally told people he didn't know who he was in one of his greatest times of need. Soldiers who crucified him then gambled for his clothes while he was suffocating to death. And yet his response, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. I mean, Jesus didn't even write a bad Yelp review about the play. Like he literally forgave. And yet some of us get so bent out of shape at things that seem big, but in all reality, in the face of eternity, in the light of, are just really not that important. Because when we fix our eyes on God's purpose for us, it empowers us to move us past our hurts, past what people have done to us, past offenses, because the cause of Jesus Christ and our calling is more important than our comfort. The abundant life Jesus has licensed us to live and called us into requires us to forgive those who have hurt us, forgive ourselves for things that we've done or haven't done, and move into our future with expectation and grace. C.S. Lewis says this, forgiveness does not mean excusing. And so I believe tonight people are going to be healed and move on from some things that maybe you've held on to for longer than you should. And you're going to be freed from that tonight. And you're going to move into the purpose, the plans, the fulfillment of God for your life because you do have a license to live. So if everyone could just bow your heads, close your eyes real quick. If there's anyone in here tonight before we even get to that moment with God, if you're in here tonight and you're saying, I don't even know where to start. It might be because you don't know that you were created by God for God. And for you to live that life of fulfillment, for you to live everything we've talked about, 
you must have a relationship with Jesus because it's the only answer to all the things that you've been looking for your whole life. The Bible says that for God so loved you and I that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have eternal life. There is an eternity, there is a heaven, and there is a hell. And how we respond to Jesus in this life will determine how we spend the next one. So if anyone in here tonight and you're saying, I don't know this Jesus, I've never accepted this Jesus, I've never made him my Lord and Savior, tonight I wanna know him, I just want you to lift your hand on the count of three when I ask who that is. That was me six years ago and a night like tonight changed everything. And then maybe you're the second type person, you say, I once knew Jesus, I once walked with him, but now I've ran away, fell away, walked away, whatever it is. And you're saying, I need to come back to him, friend. I just want to give you the opportunity to do that tonight on the count of three and just respond with your hand, just so I know who I can include in my prayer. One, friend, God loves you. Two, I promise you'll never be the same. Three, if you just lift your hand right where you're at. Beautiful, I see that hand here in the back. Beautiful, I see your hand in the middle. Incredible. Beautiful, I see your hand. Incredible. I see your hand. Is there just one more? Beautiful, I see your hand, sir. I'm gonna wait 10 more seconds because someone waited 10 seconds for me. If your heart's racing really, really fast right now, I want you to lift your hand and respond to Jesus because the Holy Ghost is knocking on the door of your heart. Beautiful, I see your hand. Incredible. Beautiful, I see your hand. Sir, I see your hand. Beautiful, beautiful. All right, let's all stand to our feet. Let's all stand to our feet. We're gonna pray a quick prayer for those people and with those people that just made that decision. There were, there were about six, seven people that made that decision tonight which is incredible. And then I'm gonna give everyone an opportunity to respond to what I talked about, whether it's forgiveness or whether it's moving on or whether it's recommitting your life to the plans of God. So let's all say this prayer together. And if you raise your hand, I want you to say this prayer with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, because this is not the whole thing, but this is the beginning of a relationship of inviting Jesus to become part of your life. So let's say this together. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin and giving me life. I turn away from my sin and I fix my eyes on your salvation. I declare you are my savior and you are my Lord. And the rest of my life will be the best of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, come on, can we celebrate with those amazing people? And if you raise your hand, we've got an incredible response team and uh, they love you. They, they saw you raise your hand and they just wanna take a moment after service to connect with you, give you a Bible, give you a book called Following Jesus. It's kind of like a quick start guide, how to, where to read, how to read, because it's a big book uh, and you don't wanna start in Leviticus like I did. You just, you wanna start, you know, somewhere else. And so they'll help you do that and they wanna just take a moment and pray with you. But uh, if you're in this room right now and you're saying, I need to forgive somebody, just like Jesus did, just like I've just, just like all of your leaders have done, just like we're all constantly doing this. If you're saying, I feel stuck, I feel like I'm embittered, I feel angry, I feel like I'm I've left out, I feel unseen, I feel and there's someone you're holding on to, and there's some part of forgiveness, or maybe you're trying to find your fulfillment in things outside of Jesus, and you're saying, I'm trying to accumulate, or I'm trying to compare, or I'm trying to live my life in a way that fills a hole that only Jesus can fill or you need to forgive yourself, I want you just to lift your hands right around. This is just for you and a moment with God. This is just for you and a moment with God. The worship team is gonna play as we close out this service. 
And I believe that as you forgive that person, and even right now, just say, I release and just say their name. Just say, I, for, I forgive this person. Some of you here are like, I don't have anybody to forgive. But in all reality, you need to forgive yourself because you've been living with a lie of shame that says you are bad, that says you are wrong, that says there's, you'll never move past it. You say, you're always gonna stay like this and say that you're, you're dysfunctional. You're just like your dad. You're just like your mom. We break that lie right now in Jesus. And we break every veil, every scales that over people's eyes that says you don't need to forgive. You don't need to move on. What they did was wrong. You can't excuse it. We're not excusing it, but you're letting them go so that you can live. Let them go right now, right now. Just release them right now in Jesus' name. Holy Ghost, we thank you that you're healing hearts. We thank you that you're healing hearts right now. You're healing hearts right now. I see someone's forgiving an employer. You're forgiving an employer for what they've done recently, for what they've said recently, for maybe some mandates that they're making within your company. I see even someone needs to forgive. I know I don't. you don't want me to say it. Forgive Gavin Newsom. Some of you are holding some bitterness inside and it's a spirit that you're warring with, but it's holding you back more than it's holding him back. And I just see someone needs to forgive him right now. Just release right now. We're not saying what they're doing is right, but we are saying that it's not worth you being embittered. It's not worth being you entangled. It's not worth you being limited in Jesus name. We break the power of bitterness. We break the power of condemnation in Jesus name. Holy Ghost, we thank you that you're healing right now from the top of people's head to the bottom of their feet. Father, we thank you that sicknesses are leaving people's bodies. We thank you that heart disease is leaving. I, 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 I see diagnoses that were given while you've been embittered over the last several years. I see them being broken, being completely. You're gonna go back to the doctor and they're gonna say, I don't know what happened, but you're completely healed. I don't know what happened, but you have no longer have this inflammation. You no longer have this diagnosis. You no longer have this. Just release that person right now in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.